hi, welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining Diversity in Blockchain's Chain Chat series. Uh, how are you, first of all? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for giving up your time to, to help us as well. Um, so how it works is each guest leaves a question for the next guest. I will ask you to do that at the end as well. And uh, okay. the, la the last guest left this question for you, which is, how can decentralization lead to more diversity? Sure. Well, I think from a technology standpoint, if you're looking primarily at blockchain technology and how that kind of de decentralization can help diversity, if you think about how blockchain eliminates the need for a third party to be involved in any kind of transaction and the fact that the blockchain itself is immutable and that it creates transparent verification, this allows people to have total ownership and integrity and autonomy over their work. So this is enabling a lot of creators around the world in marginalized communities who never had any inkling of hope to potentially have integrity over their artwork. So I'm, I'm speaking primarily from an NFT perspective right now, but not just NFT artists, it's anybody else who's creating anything or doing a transaction or building on the blockchain can now have that autonomy. And because of the transparency, this enables more of a possibility for justice and equality, open collaboration, and all those things. These are really the principles that I believe Satoshi planned on having spread throughout the creation of Bitcoin and using blockchain as its ledger. So I think that a lot of what we're seeing in the Web3 world when it comes to the different creativity and util utility that's being built, um, this is we're just now starting to see a dent in decentralization, hopefully promoting diversity. I don't think that Web3 technologies are a panacea for diversity. There's a lot of conversation around, oh, well, we, we're still so early when it comes to Web3. And that means that we can change, we can change the face of diversity and make sure the metaverse is really diverse and inclusive. And, and I do think that there's definite opportunity for that. But is Web3 going to just save the day for diversity and inclusion? I, I don't think so. But I think it is... Um, these are tools at our disposal that are available to everyone that we can we can use to to create more of a sense of ownership for people that never had it, um, possible a possible means to wealth creation and potentially a way to diversify the technology ecosystem the way it stands. Very good. Yeah, and it's a very balanced answer, very diplomatic. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me about what you're what you're up to in this space then. Who are you and what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, who am I? Who am I? So I am a former journalist, still a journalist at heart. Once you do a trade like that, I don't think it ever really leaves you. Mm -hmm. And for the last 15 to 20 years, I've been a storyteller by trade. I started my company, Warrior Love Productions, about three years ago. We are a social impact studio and production company. And one of our specialties is Web3. We work primarily at the intersection of technology and social good, gender equality and climate action, any partners or clients that need marketing, thought leadership, public relations, media support, anything fall, falling under the communications umbrella, we, we support with that. And then we also create our own projects. We have a film project called the Mintworthy Film Project, 
We were funded by NEAR Foundation, which is the foundation of NEAR Protocol. We were given a grant by them to onboard independent filmmakers into Web3 and to provide grants for them. So we gave out $10,000 grants to five independent filmmakers last year. And then we created Web3 masterclasses for them to understand this whole intersection of film and Web3 which is known in the industry as Film3. In addition to that, we recently launched our own NFT collection last week or digital collectibles, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> Calling them digital collectibles, a lot of brands are doing that because people have been so scared of the acronym NFT. And uh, we launched last week, it's called Her Voice. This is a Web3 initiative in partnership with the nonprofit CARE or care.org, sometimes it's it's seen as a brand. Uh, CARE operates in over 100 countries, putting women and girls at the center of social impact initiatives, including climate action, financial inclusion, entrepreneurship, refugee support, um, humanitarian aid. They've been doing a lot of work around Syria and Turkey right now, or I shouldn't say around, I should say directly in. And they've been around since World War II. They were one of the first organizations to understand that if you promote women and girls as leaders and make sure women and girls are at the center of the social innovation initiatives, it moves faster and the world becomes a better place. When women are in charge, more kids go to school, more families are fed, more money's invested back into the communities. So they approached us and said, do you know about this Web3 stuff and NFTs and can you make one with us? And we said yes, about a little over a year ago. A lot of stops and starts to this project due to the tumultuousness of the, the bear market, but we just launched on March 15th in honor of International Women's Day, which was March 8th, and also in celebration of Women's History Month, which is all of March. So these NFTs are really unique. I don't think there's been anything created quite like this yet. So what we did is um, I wrote a poem about the gift of womanhood and the importance of creating pathways for girls to lead. And I wrote this as if I was writing this to my unborn daughter. I'm not pregnant, but if I was, I wrote it, it from that from that same energy and spirit. And um, we had two really incredible choreographers create movement to the poem. Then on top of that, we hired a really talented AI generated AI generated artist to create animated uh, digital animations, um, bringing all of this together. So it's it's an audio visual kind of mixed media art piece. And originally we were going to have a celebrity ambassador that works with care be the narrator of the poem that I wrote. Um, many stops and starts that never came to fruition. So two weeks before International Women's Day, I said, we need to take a different approach. We're not getting a celebrity. So I reached out to about 25 women around the world who work in Web3 so a few who don't work in Web3, a few just work in, uh, I shouldn't say just, a few work in social impact and climate action, but predominantly they work in Web3, the group, and they all read the poem. And so 26 voices, that's 25 plus mine, are reading this poem in 10 different languages, representing 21 different countries. So it's this montage of voices coming in from different angles. And um, we've got uh, what languages we have, Swahili, we have Arabic, Hebrew, Russian, Farsi, Pashto, French, uh, Spanish, and English, and I think a couple others. And um, while we were initially disappointed that we didn't get a big celebrity to be the voiceover, I think that this approach of getting all these women from around the world is a better fit. It's more aligned with the mission of solidarity 
and creating that narrative that there are women all around the world really active in leadership when it comes to social innovation and Web3 and technology. So, so we launched on the 15th. We just sold one. It's five one of ones, five original pieces. And we're going to create a total of 3,905 NFTs. Uh, the five NFTs were just launched, but the 3,900 were going to the world. Oh, it sounds really good. And the name is Her Voice. Now for those who are going to be listening to us. Yeah, Her Voice. We'll, we'll have to look out for it. And where can where can they buy them? Is it on OpenSea, on Rarible? They're on, it's not on OpenSea yet, probably for secondary sales. But these initial sales, these five one-of-ones are on a marketplace called Solus. I can send you the link later. They're new. They're our partner on this. And they've been wonderful partners. They've been so much more than a marketplace. They've been collaborators creatively, strategically, helping with media outreach and just their own resources and internal network. And they've been, they've, I can't say enough good things about the team over at Solus. Okay, excellent. We'll look out for those as well. And then your, your own journey, like from, from beginning to end, what challenges have you found along the way, uh, whether with the project or, or in general? To, to learning more, doing more in the Web3 space. Oh my God, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, um, being an entrepreneur is one of the most rewarding adventures and privileges and also one of the most exhausting and frustrating <laughs> and tedious <laughs> challenges in the world. Um, for a long time, I was, while I was doing a lot of freelance journalism, I was also consulting, doing content strategy for social impact organizations and initiatives and a lot of tech startups. When I started my company, Warrior Love Productions, I was living in Puerto Rico three years ago and I met a couple of really phenomenal women and I wanted to somehow collaborate with them. And I thought, well, if I bring them into my team, if I create a team, then I'll be able to bring in more clients and make more money and we'll all have that collaboration and community. And so it just started off as kind of a default mode. Well, you know, I launched this company, I should build a company, build a team. And then when we entered Web3, when we really started to promote ourselves as a Web3 focused studio, just the floodgates opened in a really phenomenal way. And we had a ton of business rushing toward us. This was during the bull run. This was in bull market. Everything was really hot. Everybody needed help with their storytelling. And uh, we did really well the first half of 2022. Second half, no, <laughs> not so much. We lost, we lost a number of pieces of business all at once. Um, it was important to me to keep my team paid the same amount as for as long as I could. They're all contractors, but we really, a couple of them were working full time and we really became a family. So I did whatever I could um, personally to make ends meet and to keep them paid. And that I don't regret it at all because they've done so much for me and so much for Warrior Love. Some of them were working with me before I could even pay them you know, just their sense of loyalty has been tremendous. And so I don't regret that at all. But from a business standpoint, that was not a good idea. <laughs> it was not a good idea to do that. Um, lesson, really great, valuable lessons learned. And so, you know, we had a couple of partners um, run out of money or run out of funding. And so they couldn't pay us for the months that we worked. And there's nothing that they could do or that we could do, you know. Yeah. And so always have written in your contract that you're owed that money as soon as they get it. Um, but I, I'd say that I just learned a lot of about um, burnout and how what to 
what the indicators are that I might be heading toward burnout or that I haven't gotten out of it. So I thought for a couple of months over the summer and in the fall when I was feeling great and I was feeling really high that that the burnout was over. No, it was so easy to just get triggered and to go back into this mindset of scarcity because the market was so tough and because we weren't bringing in new business and how am I going to make ends meet? And uh, I'd say it's just been, it, professionally speaking, it's been one of the most rewarding uh, journeys and also one of the most challenging and hardest um, too. So I wouldn't take it back though, because I've learned a lot, but that overall, the, the business has been just up and down. And I, and, you know, I, I think I, a lot of people have been going through this, at least people working in web three, but not just that where the inflation, the economy, this banking crisis we're in right now, there's so many strange things happening all at once. So it's hard, especially for startups. You know, I feel for all my colleagues out there that are trying to fundraise right now. Um, but it, with regard to her voice specifically, there were so many stops and starts to that project. Again, we were approached by CARE to partner with them on this in January of 2022. We we wanted to launch, they wanted to launch on International Women's Day of 2022. And like, there's no way that's 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 in a month and a half. I, I Even though Web3 works at light speed, we can't do that. And then we thought about launching in the spring, but there was a Terra Luna issue that happened and the bear markets happened. So we said, okay, we're not going to sell right now. And then we thought about October, which is international, which is uh, international day of the girl falls in October. Um, but then everything happened with FTX. <laughs> and finally I said, listen, we can't delay there. There's no, there, there may not be a good time for a really long time, but mm -hmm. we have to do this. And the NFT, while that's the, the product, the mission and the vision is so much bigger than an NFT. It's so much bigger than a token or or access to some kind of community or membership. It's really about this message of solidarity among women and not just among women, but around people of all genders that support women's rights. It's really this message of this narrative that women are very much leading um, the narratives. The stories just need more amplification. And so I think the lesson with her voice, in addition to um, just working on being better with finances really, and making sure that I have longer runway <laughs> at a time like this. Um, the lesson's really been, sometimes you just have to jump. There, there may not be a good time. Like a lot of, a lot of startup entrepreneurs go through that where they keep testing and testing and researching. And then eventually you just, you have to put out your MVP. You have to put out your minimum viable products. And you have to get feedback so you can learn how to iterate and make it better. And in the case of her voice, it wasn't necessarily about that, at least not at this point, but it's just about, we have to put it out there and just see what kind of response we get and see if this resonates with people on an emotional level. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk to you for, for days about the lessons mm. <laughs> that, that I've hopefully learned and that I've absorbed um, for good this last year. Do you have, um, for her voice, can you like summarize the the mission and do you have like a slogan that summarizes the mission? Well, the slogan I think needs to be adjusted, but our tagline is that we're turning women's voices into action through art and innovation. That was a slogan that we care actually suggested to us last year. One of the reasons care, the team at care wanted to get into web three is because they have so many incredible programs. Like I said, they're operating in 100 countries around the world. They invented the care package right after World War II. So they know what they're doing. They know about humanitarian aid and how to elevate women. 
and they really see the Web3 ecosystem as an audience to tap into to not only garner support financially through crypto, but also just through the the sense of community that exists in Web3. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, not all Web3 communities are about solidarity and, and, and collaboration and teamwork. Some are just about quick cash grabs and making money. And that's fine. You know, it's people still are helping one another, giving each other tips. But a lot of the Web3 communities that my team and I have been privileged enough to be a part of this last year have been so focused on on sharing the wealth and on educating other people, particularly bringing more women and people in marginalized communities into the fold so that they can create wealth. Um, And so I think that, you know, between CARE's mission to to uh, to balance the playing field for women and girls and to really promote social justice, uh, that same kind of of spirit in Web3 that's all around equalizing the playing field and and creating more opportunities for equality and equity, right? It's it's not just equality, it's equity and they're actually distinct. And so I think that there's a lot of alignments between what some communities in Web3 are doing and what CARE is doing. And that's really the convergence that we that we want to promote and hopefully drive more social impact that way. That's excellent. And I, I think it, you know, like you say, there's never a good time or there, there may never be a good time, but I think probably maybe I'm blindly optimistic, but I think now is a good time because of all of the the goings on with all of the banks in the US and things like that, I think people will be, um, you know, piquing their interest a little bit more in the in the Web3 crypto world as well and hopefully give the, the projects... Like well, that's what people... Yeah, I mean, I think that crypto or Bitcoin is is doing well right now the last couple of days and on my Twitter feed, the big the Bitcoin maxis that are follow that are that I follow are all saying it's 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 Bitcoin's heyday. This is it. This is Bitcoin's time. And so we'll we'll see if that's the case. I do think people who have relied on banks <laughs> are probably looking at, oh, we need to find we need to find an alternative, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I mentioned Satoshi earlier. If you look at Satoshi's the Bitcoin white paper, uh-huh. Um a friend of mine had coined the term Satoshi is female and she made t-shirts and started a whole movement around it. And we actually were starting to create an NFT collection for that. But then when the bear market hit, we said, let's wait, because I could just imagine the jokes like Satoshi's broke, man. Satoshi's not, <laughs> Satoshi's broke. So let's again, let's wait. Let's wait. I think if you're going to make a statement like Satoshi's female, um, you do need to be a bit more strategic about the timing, but her her whole her name is Nyla Rogers. Uh, she's a really dear friend of mine, and her thinking around it was: if you look at the Bitcoin white paper, what Satoshi is talking about there is is harnessing cryptocurrency and blockchain for justice, equality, equity, transparency, openness, collaborations—all the things that I mentioned earlier around how decentralization can promote diversity. So when she read it, she said, "Dude." Satoshi is clearly a woman. <laughs> Satoshi <laughs> is clearly a woman. And that's not that men, that there are no men that lead with those prerogatives or those priorities, but predominantly we know a lot of women do, right? Statistically it's shown. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that um, sometimes the only time is now. Um, 
I'm glad that you think now is a good time because because of uh, against the, the the banking crisis background, maybe people are looking to. I just think it's kind of an unusual time to ask people to buy things. I'd say that's where I feel a little sensitivity around things when I'm I'm promoting things and saying, oh, here's this digital collectible. Um, and, you know, big portion of the sales are going toward care. So it's going toward a really important cause. But still, it, it just asking people for money um, is not the greatest feeling right now. <laughs> you know, I think I, I, like you were saying earlier as well, they're like progress over perfection, putting things out there and seeing what happens and, you know, pivoting when necessary, changing things, tweaking things. I think uh, we just have to keep doing and keep building. Right. <laughs> against the yeah, yeah. basically I think you so. have to put it out there yeah yep. mm -hmm. okay so what's your what's your plan for for the future then of her voice yeah excellent question so right now her voice is a small community which is starting with the 26 voices that are narrators of the actual nft itself including me and our artists and our team at Care and Solace. They're a big part of engaging with the community. And as I mentioned, we want to launch the 3,900 NFTs on Mother's Day and do an in real life event, potentially in Los Angeles in partnership with Solace and Care and get some spoken word artists, maybe create a scenario where the poem could be heard in surround sound. I'll I'll send you the I'll send you the um NFT so can, you can listen to it. Um but basically the way that our producer of the NFT and the creative director really of the whole entire project, his name's Visionary, he's the creative director at my company. He had a dream about the her voice NFT a year ago. He said I had a dream I envisioned that the NFT was filled with choreography and your poem and AI and AI changed to the sound and did all these amazing things. And I said, done, <laughs> done. And um, so the way that he designed the sound was really intricate. And I think in certain scenarios, it could it could be experienced as immersive sound in, in the right setting with the right kind of speakers. Um, but it's, um, again, predominantly English. You hear English the entire way, but then Swahili will come in, Hebrew will come in, or Russian voice will come in, you know, Turkish, all these different, all these different voices to make a real montage of the poem. And one of the most beautiful things that happened, we did a Twitter space, um, with all the women narrators on March 8th on International Women's Day. And some of the women whose first language is not English said that when they read the poem in English, they said, okay, it's fine, you know. And then when they read it in their native language, um, some of the women who are mothers said that they started to cry and they couldn't even make it through because it really hit them. It really struck an emotional chord on them saying this to their daughter. Because the, the way the poem is written, it's written as if a mother is uh, watching her daughter go, watching her daughter grow all the way up through, you know, her prime. Um, and while she's blazing all these trails and creating new tables and doing all these miraculous things and being able to just bask in the trail that she blazed. And so uh, that was that was really special to be able to hear the women who participated, who contributed their voices to hear what, what it meant to them emotionally. Mm, I would be curious to hear it as I'm a mother of yeah. two. Well, <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay, well, uh, it has been really good to chat to you. I want to ask you if you don't mind leaving a question. It doesn't even have to be remotely blockchain related, but it can be uh, for our next guest. Sure. 
Hmm. I guess I'd love to know from anyone who is working in Web3, what their greatest learning experience has been about humanity Okay. while they've been working in this industry. Excellent. I would also be very curious to hear what they have to say about that. So many great projects out there and so many people doing good that I'm, I'm sure it'd be difficult to choose. But <laughs> what would your answer be to that question? I already kind of touched on it earlier, really. I think the just how huge people's hearts are. Mm. It's really noticeable in this space. Yeah, I mean, there there's greed, obviously. I mean, there are definitely some people that have gotten into cryptocurrency strictly to make money, to make more money, make money. But that's that's their right to do that. It's it's there for wealth creation, right? But the innovation around it, around blockchain itself, that's what is the most remarkable. So a couple of years ago, I went to the Zatari refugee camp on the border of Jordan and Syria because I wanted to see one of the grocery stores there that's run on blockchain. The World Food Program worked with a startup in Jordan to create a system that would allow refugees to go in and have their eye scan biometrics come up and then the money that they need to pay for the food is transferred directly without a bank or third party involved at all. And the World Bank, yeah, the World Bank decided they needed to create a system like this because just having the third party banks involved was just costing too much money. And this is a really simple, I don't want to say it's simple because I don't know what went into creating the technology, but it, it just seems like such an elegant way to use blockchain. And the reason I went was because this was a year or two after the ICO craze was going on, the initial coin offerings when everybody was doing one. And I was more focused on being a journalist at the time. And I was receiving so many really crazy pitches, like from companies that were putting hamburger review sites on blockchain. They were just doing (laughs) startups and putting it on blockchain so that they could do an ICO. And everybody was sending white papers, but nobody had a product built. And I really wanted to see a real, tangible, physical, real life thing, and you know, in person that I could touch and see and smell and almost taste. And so I went to this refugee camp to see it, and it was it was it was great to see. And this is, I mean, I feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg of what can be done using blockchain from an infrastructure standpoint, right? There's still so much that we don't know is going to happen from from this mm-hmm. technology. So much potential. And again, that that brings it to a close nicely because with more diversity, there's always going to be more innovation. And uh, the sky is the limit. So yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to speak to you. And um, we will um, be in touch. I will tell you when we are ready to publish. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.